Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. I think I hear it coming on. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> he is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, heaven has a completely different perspective, doesn't it? Heaven sends an angel of God to make the birth announcement from on high. So let me go one more. I think I have one more verse here. It's not moving. There we go. And the angel says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Heaven has a completely different perspective than the earthly perspective. God sends an angel to make the birth announcement from on high. That's pretty important. And the appearance of this heavenly messenger and the glory of God enveloping them while this messenger is talking terrifies these shepherds. It's so enormous, it's so pervasive, this glory of God, that it terrifies the shepherds as they're just listening to this angel. But the angel assures the shepherds that he has great news, a good joy, or good, joy, good news of great joy. He says, a Savior has been born to them in the town of David. He's none other than the long-awaited Messiah, King of Israel, Christ the Lord. The one all Israel has been waiting for, for for centuries and centuries. The one all Israel had tied their hopes to and their dreams to. Who would deliver them from their enemies. Who would lift their, their city up as the top city, as a top nation, as a top kingdom. And who would set up this kingdom forever and ever. So... What seemed like a very unfortunate circumstance from an earthly perspective was actually the fulfillment of Israel's hopes and dreams and deliverance. And this birth in the animal shelter, which looks to be a horrible experience to have to go through out of town, is announced by, by, from heaven by angels as the most wonderful and greatest event that's ever happened. But that isn't all. Look at verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, as all this is going on, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. As people are thinking, maybe this is sad. At the birth of Jesus, there was an explosion of excitement, a joyous celebration in heaven. The angels were singing and exclaiming. God's great plan of redemption was now taking shape. Sin and death were now in the crosshairs of God's powerful death destroyer. Even though on earth, no one was even aware. Most people didn't even know that the birth had taken place. And if anyone did get wind, you know, walking by or whatever, 
They probably saw it as all, all those poor, that poor young couple. Isn't it amazing how something so spectacular and celebrated in heaven by heavenly creatures can be so ignored or brushed aside or treated as nothing on the earth? I mean, how totally different the earthly perspective is from the heavenly perspective. And now verse 14 here tells us what this means to both those in heaven and those on earth. He says, glory to God in the highest heaven. So up in the throne room of heaven where God dwells, the, the highest heaven, there's celebration, there's joy, there's extreme excitement. The Savior is born, the promise of God. And then it says, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. On earth, it is God's offer of peace to those on whom his favor rests. God's offer of peace is him sending his son to become the sacrifice for the sins of mankind. And anyone who is willing to take God up on his offer, that would be anyone who is willing to turn to God in repentance for their sins, asking for forgiveness, turning to Jesus Christ as their Savior, as the only way we can get to heaven is to accept Christ as our Savior, admit our sins, turn in repentance to him. Those are the ones on whom his favor rests. And he's providing everything we need. And he sent his son to die. So on whom his favor rests is God's great gift to us. Now, why did God choose shepherds to announce the birth of his son? You might think that that message would go to somebody or some group of people or, or, or someone that's held in high esteem by everybody. You might think that God would give that message to a king or an emperor or maybe in our day to somebody that's like a billionaire or a professional musician or a professional athlete. But he chose shepherds, didn't he? Well, maybe he should have chose religious authorities, teachers of the law, a famous rabbi. That's kind of the way we think, isn't it? But God likes to use humble, ordinary people who aren't full of themselves. God likes to use people who think of others, not only of themselves, who listen and are willing to take advice from others. God uses people who are simple, humble, obedient. And guess what? It looks like God just may have made the right decision. Look at verses 15 through 19. When the angels had left them, the shepherds, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. These shepherds became first century evangelists, didn't they? You know, first of all, when they heard the announcement from the angels, they didn't question God. I mean, you know, even Zechariah questioned God, right? They didn't question God. They didn't try to come up with some reason not to go see the newborn Messiah. They didn't say, well, we got these sheep here to take care of. They rushed off to see him. Their hearts were filled with excitement about the promise of God coming to them, coming right to where they were, and they acted upon their faith. They told others what they had experienced. They told them what the angels told them. They weren't religious authorities or law experts. It's just the simple fact that they had been told the truth, the birth of the Savior, and now they're going to go spread the news, the good news. And it says that that excitement from the shepherds caused a stir. Everyone was amazed at their testimony. Back here, our last verse. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. However, there was one person who didn't quite get as excited as everyone else, as we've already seen. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary, the mother of Jesus. This Luke presents Mary as a bit more contemplative. You know, everybody was going kind of wild with this news. The Messiah is here. Our troubles are over. But it's as if Mary is still trying to put all the pieces together. I'm sure she thinks of it as great news. Remember when she was told of, you know, giving birth to the Savior, she came out with that, that song, that Magnificat, and it was, it was glorious, and she praised God very, very much, very highly. But now she's given birth to this baby that she has carried for nine months. And now she has to fit this human child under her care with the fact that this is the Son of God come to redeem Israel. The one who is going to rescue Israel from her enemies. Would he be a warrior? As we go further into this gospel and in some uh, parts of other gospels, you can see Mary having to deal with this matter of Jesus being her earthly son, but yet at the same time, the son of God, the savior of mankind. And when those instances happen in the, in the Bible, in the recordings, it just proves to me that Jesus is definitely both Son of Man and Son of God. Born of the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a woman, Son of Man, Son of God. He had to be man in order to die for our sins. He had to be God to be a perfect sacrifice. He's the only one who could have done this. And I believe that Mary's response here is a credit to her insight, actually. You know, everyone else is super excited. I mean, here's the Messiah. But yet Mary seems to be saying, you know, 
I'm excited, but I think there may be some things we have to deal with on the way. This may not turn out to be totally smooth sailing. For others of you, this may not be an immediate slam dunk victory. And if that is what Mary is thinking, then I think she's on the right track. I mean, it is fantastic news, great news, but we do know from hindsight that there is suffering on the way. And Mary's going to go through a lot of suffering. But for now, and everyone outside of Mary's careful thinking, this is a night of celebration and praise to God for his love and kindness. So look at verse 20 here. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And now verse 21 to finish. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Here is what we've seen, some of what we've seen this morning. That the normal earthly perspective can be far, far different than the heavenly perspective. Sometimes opposite, right? And that means that we as believers and followers of Christ must be continually filling our minds with the scriptures. This gives us the right perspective. When we walk out into the world, we're surrounded by the wrong perspective. And that just keeps coming at us in all kinds of ways. As we stay in the scriptures, we will continually see things God's way. And if we stay in the scriptures, we won't be as easily taken in by the messages of the world that keep enticing us. Because when we follow the world's ways, it leads us to loss and harm and can lead us to destruction. But following God's path will lead us to truth and to true freedom. Here's another point that's related to the first. Caesar Augustus was a very powerful world ruler. You know, when he ordered something done, everybody just had, had to find out how to do it. But as we saw in our passage this morning, Caesar Augustus was actually a tool in the hand of God. Even though he was very powerful on the earth, God just maneuvered him where he wanted him and had him do, even if it were evil intentions, God was going to use it to bring good. God wanted Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem for the birth of their son, the birth of his son. The scriptures prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Augustus made a decree from his position of power. Those decrees were most often made for military purposes and tax purposes. And as he did it, he played right into God's hand. So here's my third and final point related to the others. 
We can't be swayed by earthly perspectives that go against God's ways and his heavenly perspective. You know, so often we Christians hear of God's ways or we read of God's ways in the Bible, but then when we walk outside the church doors, we're just inundated by the influences of our society. And it depends upon what perspective we're going to take up and work with and put in our minds and hearts. Because you see, it's real easy just to float along with the world. But that leads to heartache and loss. So, whenever you're tempted or you're being persuaded or, or you're, you're kind of doubting or you're wondering, remember the birth of Jesus. You know, from an earthly perspective, it was just this unfortunate circumstance that this young couple had to go through. Poor people. And it was hard, wasn't it? But from heaven's perspective, there was this great eruption of praise to God. Because now his plan of salvation was really taking this giant step forward. And a step forward to the final answer to mankind's enslavement to sin and death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who authored the word through men and now puts it into our hearts if we take it in. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we thank you that he was willing to go through all that he went through. And we thank you for Mary and Joseph and all that they did to raise the Son of God. We thank you for that mystery of, of Jesus being both God and man. And Lord, we pray that <clears throat> through this Christmas season and others to come, and then through our daily lives, we could just meditate upon who Jesus is, who he was when he came, and what he's done for us, and how wonderful it is to have heaven's perspective Please keep us there, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.